0: I'm Murphy, John Murphy, and I'm Humes, Christian Humes, and you're listening to World Watch. (laughs) That's right. We have our mission from M. We're now setting off into the field and we are covering James Bond for the next few weeks and beyond. And um, we are going to watch hopefully all the movies as much as we can. Uh, we're gonna
1: watch the, the first ten books. We'll take yeah. a break for Game of Thrones and then we're gonna come back and then do more. That is true. Yes. I think that is the plan.
0: Right? Yes. Um so yeah, so I've I guess let's just break it in, get into it as far as each of our personal, I guess, uh, relationship with the material. Uh you know, let's start with you, Christian. How long have you known Bond?
1: I mean, I grew up with James Bond, Pierce Brosnan, James Bond. I know at some point or another, my parents had like Sean Connery ones on, but I don't really remember anything about it. Uh, Goldeneye, one of my favorite games growing up. Great video game. Uh, big fan of the Daniel Craig movies, at least every other one. Uh, I mean, that's about it. I, I remember there was like a young James Bond cartoon. Yeah, there was, like a, that. there was a young
0: Bond fa- like, thing they did. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's... James Bond is one of the oldest movie properties. I think that has been around, that's still going. Um, You know, and I think it's one of those things that it's pretty much set the, uh, I think the formula for a lot of action blockbuster movies. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think this was this was a franchise that really kind of.
1: He's the proto super spy. He is the one.
0: Yeah, but then you can also break that into superheroes, other types of other things in oh which yeah. you have a plot. I laid
1: the groundwork for a lot of modern fiction.
0: Yeah. Yeah, which is I think a very interesting thing to do. And it's also interesting that we are kind of tying it into the original books by Ian Fleming, because the books are a little bit are much different in a lot of ways. <laughs> than some of these movies as we'll get to them.
1: And they also show a lot of their time. I mean, this was written during the Cold War era, a lot of Red Scare, a lot of very uh, anti-Eastern things, a lot of anti-communist things, a lot of anti-Russian things, which although eerily feels very modern in many (laughs) ways. Um, Also a lot of like racist, sexist stuff, but I mean, it's a product of its time.
0: Yeah, I mean, Ian Fleming was an old racist homophobic sexist man right that also i think was a decent pretty good writer <laughs> and knew how to. i think he captured the spy world pretty well yeah
1: and uh, i mean it culturally speaking he represents the way people felt people were very xenophobic people were very sexist back then but it, it wasn't uh looked at as anything other than what the norm was at the time Yeah, you know, like today he would stand out as like a a villainous character with the way he describes people from other cultures uh, and countries. But like in the time, like everyone, that's just the way people were
0: not to excuse it. But no, yeah, it's it's we it's good to address who he is and what he sort of represented with his writing, which was an old way of thinking and and talking about the world and other people and bond in some ways represents that um but at the same time i think also bond represents like you said it, it represents a male fantasy in a lot of ways of, oh yeah uh you know but i it's, it is spoken in some not saying truth but in the sense that spies have to infiltrate and become other people in in their own world so bond by necessity he has to be you know he has to infiltrate he has to sort of uh sneak into certain organizations he has to seduce people both men and women with his charm or with his sexuality it's that is something prevalent i think in reality and we and we still see that today you know speaking of russians or spies it's like the whole thing with the nra and the russian spy like that that woman basically did that what bond does (laughs) yeah it's insane um
1: I think what's most interesting about this, because we will talk about some of the books. Uh, I have just read this. I'm I'm going to read some of these. I'm not going to be able to read all of them, obviously, as we do this. Um, and We're primarily here talking about the movies, but it's nice to have those companion pieces. It's. F- I'm glad that I've read this and you've read this and seen it, because it's the first book in Casino the series. Casino Royale.
0: That's what, that's what we're talking about.
1: Yeah, Casino Royale is the first book in the series, and it's also the first of the most modern Bond movies. So it's good because it's like nice to see how they updated the story and didn't bring along what they did bring along, what they didn't bring along.
0: They surprisingly for this being the first Ian Fleming book and then, and then sort of made sometime, you know, how many years later, uh, almost 50 years later, basically over 50 years. uh, Surprising a lot of it is still there. Yeah. You know, structurally. Um, with, between the book and the movie, which I think is, I think, really cool and I think speaks to, I think, how interesting the book is. But obviously then they update a lot of things and cut out a lot of the character aspects, maybe possibly, <laughs> of Bond from the book to the movie. Um, but I think what makes this movie so great, I, I just want to say also I love this movie. It's a top 10 overall movie for me, just in general. I liked it a lot. Uh,
1: I especially liked seeing some of the actors I didn't realize were in it.
0: Yeah, it's got a lot of great acting in it. Um, it's it's a really good. It's one of my favorite action movies overall. I think just the way this movie is directed by Martin Campbell, who I think is a really good director, despite directing Green Lantern right after this. Um, <laughs> which oh, gosh, which a lot, that's kind of kind of knocked his career off a little bit. But he d- he directed two of the best Bond movies, which was this film Casino Royale and Goldeneye. Yeah, um, so which are. Two really great action movies, and so he just has a really good way of handling the visual storytelling and making everything seem really clear. This was like in the in the age of Jason Bourne, when everything is so like uptight or up up close and and quick cutting and everything's just so jarring, like a lot of the action sequences are smooth. you got these like big shots mixed in with sort of very quick stuff going on, but I think there's a lot of really, really good stuff to watch here so. Um yeah, I, I had a blast rewatching this movie again.
1: I really enjoyed the action, although I have to say some of the the one like long action sequence is one of the only times in the movie where it loses me. Uh and that's just partially because that's like I think my least favorite thing about James Bond. Not that I don't like it, but I like I like the cunning spy stuff more than the high energy action stuff. Um I'll I'll try to not make these comparisons too often. But I'll say that the Mission Impossible movies, as much as I like them versus like Bond, if you were to compare the two, I like the way they do action in the current Mission Impossible movies, like the big action scenes, like the chase kind of stuff, better than the Bond stuff. But then Bond does all the other pieces better.
0: Yeah, I would totally. I actually agree with you there, where it's like Mission Impossible, where they get right is the, the set pieces and the action, but they have yeah. very little character. And yeah. on the flip side, Bond is really good with character, but not necessarily is hit or miss with the action.
1: Yeah, the action setter is, And it, I don't think any of it's ever really bad, The Miss. It just um, – sometimes I just think it goes on a little too long. Yeah. Like it, it – it, but uh, that being said, this one is is one of the most consistent movies. I really, really liked rewatching this having just read the book. So let's, let's get into it.
0: Yeah, so it opens with uh, – most Bond movies open with a cold open, uh, which is – in some, some movies will be another mission uh, like this one or – Sometimes it's unrelated to the plot of the movie. Sometimes it is um, usually, but it is sort of like a, a brief moment and then you do like the main title. So um, what they did differently, this is the origin of Bond. So this is uh, before he's double O uh, and it's in black and white in, I think it's in Stockholm or some sort of snowy place. <laughs> Sorry, place. And, um, uh, you know, Bond basically gets his first two kills. He basically, uh, he seeks out the the mole that was feeding information out of MI6 to a contact. And so, uh, what did you think about this scene? Uh, so, I mean, I was partially rewatching this stuff in
1: mind with the, having just read the books. Now I was able to take myself back to when I first saw this movie and it was sort of a reboot of sorts, even though the producers out there say that these bonds are all like the same. It's just like asinine. So let's like not even pretend that that's a conceit that's happening. So the idea that this is the beginning of his narrative, I loved, I thought that was such a fun way to reboot it with the new bond and to see his first kills because the whole license to kill thing. And that made me think, as an American, the whole concept of license to kill, not a big deal. Like, it's just murder is rampant in our country. With We have such bad gun control. Yeah. But if you think about this from the British standpoint, like, the police officers don't even, like, standard police officers don't have weapons. Yeah. Because guns are banned in the UK. So once I thought about it from that perspective for a moment... I was like, oh, wow, that's actually like a big deal, License to Kill, because their government, the way re- the oversight, it's just very different than uh, the cowboy sort of way that we do things here in America. And I think that was a good way to introduce that whole concept. It's very different than the way it happens in the book.
0: Yeah, I've, I forget a bit. Maybe since you read it more recently, you can remind me, reminding the audience about kind of the beginning a bit, how it's different.
1: So I think, so here's what's interesting about it is he, he ends up meeting later with someone and then he discusses his first two kills. And the first one was the easier one. And then the second one was the messy one. Whereas in this, it was the more of the reverse order. Um, but in the book, the way it goes is his first kill was easy. It was it was like a sniper shot. He was waiting for this guy. He He and another agent were posted up waiting for this guy. They were set there for like two days. And when the time was ready... The first agent fires, which caused a hole in the bulletproof window. And then James takes the kill shot through the hole. And so it was like he was very far away. He didn't have to see the guy in the eyes. It was clean. It was easy. There's no mess. And then the second one is the same. So the bathroom is like the same. And it's the important one. And the way they shot that, I think they conveyed it really well. Uh, It was just interesting to see him in this, like his second kill is very up close and personal. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But he's able to... Like you see, like after his first one, he's already overcome it. He's like disassociated himself from the from death already.
0: Yeah, no, it's 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 great in that way. And also, I love this the 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 basically the betrayer guy. is like kind of describing how did it feel, and he's like didn't feel like it. he basically bound lies. He's like it was it was fine. Yeah, <laughs> and then he doesn't even let him finish before he shoots him, and he's like, you know, second one's gonna be is just fine too.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's like, you're
0: right. It was easier. Yeah. Um. And, you know, the the infamous thing with Bond or I guess famous thing is the iconic gun barrel sequence that a lot of these movies open up with. This one, they naturally try to fit it in as to it makes sense because you're kind of like when you watch other Bond films, you're kind of like, well, what is this? Like what POV is this sort of opening for? And now it's like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. So the guy was pulling a gun on him and he hits him. He shoots him first. So Right. was great. Um then does that go right into. No, uh, does that go into. Do we go in the main title, the song next? The music video. Yeah, music yeah the video. music video is fine. Wait, yeah, what do you think? Chris Cornell, rest in peace. Yeah, it's fine. I think it's fine. I think you don't really. It's interesting that you don't hear Bond is so synonymous with like a female singer song. That's right. That kind of interesting to hear a male singer in a male song. And the song itself is is. Okay, but actually, it works really well with the score of the movie. Like David Arnold really matched it up perfectly, so when you actually re listen to the song, you're like, Oh, that's just like it fits perfectly in with the score. and I thought that's, that's great about it.
1: There were some things about the song intro that made me question like whether or not it's something they should continue to do. I know it's like a weird tradition. But it feels so out of place now.
0: Yeah. It stems from they used to have to do that. That was the old rules that all movies had to do. You had to put basically all your main above the line credits up front.
1: Right. That's what George Lucas famously got in a lot of trouble for. Correct.
0: Yeah. And so but I think they did a good job of making it their thing now. And yeah, it is kind of as an audience member. We're so used to now action up front and being you want to pace it really well. And having to sit through, like, a a two-and-a-half-minute song, like, right away, kind of takes you out of it a bit. But I I don't know. I think it's a fun little thing. I think it
1: could be done well. I I honestly, and I could be totally wrong, I fully expect whatever the last Daniel Craig Bond movie is, like, it'll probably be great. But I think whoever we get next, they're going to do a very more... I feel like the next Bond's going to be very modern and a lot more fun. I feel like... And I feel like there's a way they could reinvent those music things and keep doing them but to make it better i just i feel like that's the great thing about bond is
0: he's constantly reinventing himself so yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh very much like the doctor with all the different bonds yeah and also but but just like tonally with the types of movies they're doing with the music uh you know i think after this we're gonna watch live and let die and that goes in a completely different direction you know yeah it did at the time so like because I've watched that one already. Like I watched the first two, and then we did. I gotta
1: say that one has a great music video. We'll talk about oh, that. Yeah. But but that one is like one of the best songs that I could think of other than Skyfall.
0: Yeah, whereas like Skyfall is a very mel- melancholy, slow song. Live and Let Die yeah. such an upbeat, you know, action song, which is great. And this one, you know, you know, my name is kind of in between that.
1: You know. Yeah, it's not terrible. It's just it was just fine. Yeah, and I just kind of wanted to get into the to the show. You yeah. know who I I think would make a great. uh I would love to see like Lord and Miller do James Bond. Uh, yeah, it would be too weird though.
0: It could it could be too weird, or it could be awesome. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah, I feel I th- like it could be good though. I think given how campy it's got Bond has gotten in the past, I, it, oh, it could work. That's true. It could work. Yeah, it could totally work. Uh, <laughs> All right, so we get to the highlights of the movie, which is this whole opening after the main titles in Madagascar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love this whole sequence. Yeah, the sequence is nuts. It's amazing. So the guy, so the bomb maker that Bond is chasing in this movie and the scene is the inventor of parkour. Uh, like, what? Yeah, and so that's how that's that's kind of how the scene was born a bit. <laughs> or like he's one of the inventors, I guess. Um, While I watch this, I'm like, oh, this is totally of its time. Yeah, there's a, there's a few things in this movie where it's like this is of 2005 ish. time later when they go to the body worlds i'm like oh yeah that's very oh my gosh yeah
1: (laughs) i I was thinking the same thing which is it's so funny to think that like the daniel craig era has gone on so long and there's also been so few of them
0: yeah i mean there's been some gaps in between but yeah bond has kind of been sometimes a travel log for things of both of time and place um and yeah so parkour was really big at this time also uh we'll get to it but when they replaced baccarat with Texas Hold'em. Uh, that's another thing that was
1: <laughs> oh, no, we're going we're to talk about that. So that's yeah. one of the, the okay. couple things that I really want to talk about. OK, <laughs> that's um, like one of the, that's like the biggest thing actually on my list, yeah. if I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Anyways,
0: uh, uh yeah, uh, action wise, this is a great scene. I just want the one funny thing I point out. So like the scene opens with like the bomb maker. They're at this um, like pit where a mongoose is fighting a snake. And yeah, his like uh Bond is kind of perched up high, like overlooking the situation, and his partner's kind of more down by where the bomb maker is. And when his like partner fucks up and like chases him and drops his gun and the gun fires, Bond is still just kind of standing there, just watching. <laughs> and he doesn't actually start chasing him until the bomb maker is like out of the scene. <laughs> So this stuff's not really in the book. Why do you think this was added to the story? Like, do we really,
1: do we need to introduce, like, the
0: villains like this? I think so. I think you need, again, it's it's balancing story with, you know, stuff that's going to wow the audience. And I think because of the notable feedback this scene, this whole sequence has gotten, and how it's kind of still become a very iconic scene, uh, I think... It's good to have this stuff kind of spaced in and out of the movies. Yeah,
1: that's fair. That's fair. I mean, I enjoyed the whole thing. The parkour was nuts. And it did make me think, I actually, so this isn't the action sequence I was saying that like lost me this action sequence, but it did make me think like, oh, they could, they could just be Tom Cruise doing this. It felt like such a not James Bond. Like, when he's go when he's going up the crane, like, when the crane, like, weights drop and he goes up. It's like, are you a super spy or are you, like, a super soldier right now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you yeah. seem
0: like a super soldier. Yeah, the way he runs through the drywall, too, and other things, it's like they make him seem like he's such a brute force of nature. But it was cool because it is, like, the Sean
1: Connery, like, I'm the big brutish, like, yeah. UK, like, kind of, like, bull- British bulldog-style Bond. So it was a smart way, I think, maybe to introduce...
0: And, and they, they show that he's resourceful by, like, you know, doing the things in the scene to keep up with him. And to a show, like, he's smart, but he may also be, like, in over his head.
1: Do you think it was a little bit to separate it from Pierce Brosnan? Because Pierce Brosnan was so iconic for his gadgets. I think more than maybe all of the other Bonds. Like, Pierce Brosnan and Q was so important to his whole era. And there's no Q in this. There's, like, no real gadgets. Not, like, yeah. not really...
0: Yeah, I th- well, I think this ties into being this being technically like the first Bond, yeah, in a way. Like he's he's not molded yet; he's much more of a raw force. Whereas yeah. like Brosnan is like smooth; he's like a smooth yeah. action fig- hero. Um, that's why he does a lot of like when you when we go back and watch Goldeneye and stuff like that, he's like sliding around a lot and firing his. Gun. I can't <laughs> wait
1: to see that that movie.
0: That's the one I think
1: I'm most excited for
0: coming up. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Um, but yeah, so but this is where we're seeing the early stages of Bond, where he's a brute character and he's just kind of he hasn't learned yet. And by the okay. end of this movie, he learns a lot. And so that's I think that's I think that's why he's like this in the, in the scene. Um, so he basically kills the Bond maker at the end of the scene. Uh, takes his phone though because he sees the message that he got. Um, then we cut back to uh, we have uh, M is reintroduced. Mm-hmm. Uh, Judy Dench. Um, I like her assistant, the guy from he's in Game of Thrones. Uh he's uh what's it, Catelyn's brother? It was
1: such a smart thing to keep Judy Dench on.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think she's a good consistent force yeah. on the show. Em has always yeah. kind of been that way, both in the movies and the books. And so I think it's I think it's great. Um but she's always she's a great actress and she's great in all the scenes she's in. <laughs> um so then and basically, like, yeah, so England is mad that. Bond shot up an embassy, <laughs> and he's, you know, disappeared. He breaks into M's house and uses her computer to search uh, where the message was sent from the phone, uh, and that brings him to the Bahamas. Yeah. But before that, we are introduced to Le Chiffre. Le Chiffre. Le Chifre. Mads Mikkelsen? Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, so this
1: was—I haven't seen this movie— I saw this movie maybe once after it came out in theaters. Like I saw it in theaters and I saw it maybe one other time. Haven't seen it since then. I did not remember that Mads Mickelson was in this and I did not remember that Jeffrey Wright was in this. The second <laughs> I saw Mads Mickelson, I go, Oh, right. He's, he's awesome. He's
0: a he's, great character actor. He's great. I think there's a reason why he's so in demand now. I think he, you know, I think he's, he can just kind of fill any role and he just does yeah. it really well. And it's interesting compared to the Lashif in the in the movie versus the book because in the book he's portrayed as this kind of fat Russian. Is he Russian or French? Oh, he's French, I think. Yeah, he's like he's a fat French guy who is just kind of a gross asshole. <laughs> and this one, he's more of like a kind of he's kind of a wimpy nerd, but he's also very intimidating, right? Um, but I liked all his stuff so. It, the chief in this in the movie, he is taking money from warlords, terrorists, and stuff, and la- laundering it into the stock market and trying to make money for you know all these bad guys around the world. Uh, that's the kind of hint we get with him. In the book, it's he's just uh, he works for the Russian government, uh, I believe, and then he essentially is investing a bunch of brothels in France. Yeah, classic villain plot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, and then uh, anything else about Lashif so far before we get move out boom on? Or? Uh, I mean, he had the bleeding eye thing, which was weird. Yeah, but that's the thing with Bond villains; they're all a lot of them will have a physical, just you know, trait to them. Um, yeah, especially it's more it's just more notable in the books is that they have a type of deformity or some type of physical thing that makes them different. Um, like in the next book and to let it diets, Mr. Big, and he's a big fat guy <laughs> and, you know, goes on from there. But, um, was a chief. Yeah. I've, I've, nothing much more says great. Love Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, so we get the whole Bahamas stuff, which I thought was great, except for when Bond drives a Ford Focus.
1: <laughs> um, Yeah, the Bahamas were cool. They were also weird. It was so like the first this Bond babe is introduced. um, On the horse. Yeah. Yeah. And this whole sequence, I don't remember any of this being in the book. Like at least not to this extent. No, No, I think they they had at all.
0: They had to stretch out, I think, this part of the story a bit and make it more like a traditional movie where Bond is on a mission he's trying to but it feels
1: like all they did was just this whole sequence was like just to show that the bad guy is bad because like he kills the guy like and the woman gets killed and then bond is yeah going after him
0: well no i think but you have to sort of it has to be more of like a a mission around the world i think for the movies whereas in the book it's like they it's kind of already set up that le needs money and is basically staking a giant bet at Casino Royale and that's how you know Bond is recruited to take him down because he's the best card player in in the service so but in the movies because we've sort of had how many decades prior to Casino Royale coming out it's like they've set the, the the sort of the model of Bond will get a mission it'll take him to probably two plus locations around the world as he tries to figure out what the villain is trying to do so I think once the whole Miami airport thing that plot line is over, then it kinda kicks into what is exactly the 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 book the book plot basically. Right. So
1: um I liked all of the card game stuff. Now the the replacing of the money. So like the the, the ultimate thing that you have to do in the book versus the movie is
0: um he has to win money from La Chiffre. He basically has to dry him out so that he has nowhere to go and he will flip to the British Secret Service because otherwise Smirsch is going to come after him. So
1: there's a whole thing in the books where they teach you how to play Baccarat. Yeah. And that's the card game that they're using instead of Texas Hold'em.
0: Yes. Now, Christian, do you know how to play Baccarat after reading this book?
1: Uh, I mean, I couldn't tell you now, but at the time I did like during (laughs) during the book I did because they they teach you how to play. And this was the thing I thought that sequence was great in the book because it made it feel very like Ocean's Eleven-y where, you know, in Ocean's Eleven when they're like, we're going to have to do this and then we're going to have to do that and we're going to have to do this and then we're going to have to do that. And so you're like watching it playing out, knowing like if one of these dominoes doesn't fall, like everything kind of falls apart and like, you know, like how the games are supposed to work. And I felt like changing it to poker and then not even at least having some kind of an explainer, although I know that could be kind of lame. I feel like there was a fun way they could have done it because it took a lot of the tension out of the card game. Because while you were watching it, you almost had to wait for their reactions to know like who <laughs> was winning.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah, well, see, Baccarat in, in, in its form is way simpler to understand than Texas Hold'em. I just I don't
1: think I don't think the tension of the game translated. And I think it's for me, it's the biggest I, I love this movie, but it was the biggest disappointment because in the book, in a, in a book where they're telling me what cards are being drawn, this that and the other. Yeah. It's like I have to pretend to see this. It somehow came across amazing. And then in the movie where you can see it, so they don't even have to use like all that exposition like it just I don't feel like the tension of the card game landed. Yeah, because it was like just playing off of their reactions the whole time.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you don't already play te- poker, it's a very difficult game. But I mean, I know how to play Texas Hold'em,
1: and it's still like kind of watching it. Cause like I didn't know every time what the hand, like what the river was. Like I, I was like, okay, well, what's on the table? Yeah, there was and a part where like all
0: three of them like put down their cards and one keeps beating the other. And right. And yeah, it was just for like everyone was like, <gasps> but then, and then you were waiting for the dealer to be like, full house, full flush.
1: What I would have liked to see was I would have liked to see like when Jeffrey Wright's character gets knocked out, or when uh, Vesper is talking to um, oh my goodness, what's his name? Uh Renee. When he's talking to Mathis. Yeah, Mathis. Yeah. When v- when Vesper and Mathis are watching the game go down and everything, I would have liked them to almost be like like watching from the side and him being like, oh, if he gets like a nine, like he can only get this or like some way of uh, of dictating that to us because every other part of it was great. Like visually the card game was amazing. Like the 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 acting James the did other, here was the good. Other, every time like he had to get up, like Jeffrey Wright's character, all, all the other all, all the people at the yeah, table. Yeah, all the
0: other weirdos <laughs> at the table. <laughs> yeah. Like Mr. Fukutu. <laughs> and it was so good. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was really fun. And um let's I guess dive into some of these other characters. So we got Vesper Lind, played by Eva Green. Yes. Uh I like Eva Green. I like her way more without her makeup on. Like, she mm-hmm. wears way too much eyeshadow for most of the time. So there's the scene where they're getting ready in the bathroom before the big game, and she looks fantastic. Well, it's, she has makeup. She's she just has makeup, but it's different. It's makeup. more mat- natural looking. That's yeah. Said. You
1: mean you don't want her made up like a doll?
0: <laughs> or like a goth, goth doll. That's basically Sure. <laughs>
1: it's basically. No, she's a very beautiful woman. Of course she is because they make her a Bond girl, which is a thing.
0: No, but, uh, but also on top of that, Vesper Lynn, I, I just love the scene, her introduction, them on the train, all that stuff. Like, she's a great character. Yeah. Um, their, their dialogue back and forth is amazing. Uh, in the book, obviously, she's not as uh, – because <laughs> she's not part of the treasury in the book. She's just, a, I guess, a, an assistant sort of issued out from MI6 to help Bond, and Bond hates her basically at first. and she's kind of yeah but she's
1: like a she's she's like uh almost like a code like she knows tons of different codes like uh that's right she's a
0: code she's a cipher yeah that's right but she but but she's kind of out of her element in the book story and so she's a little bit like what's that what's happening what's
1: going yeah she's almost like someone you would want to contact from the field and she would like either help you connect to someone like through an encrypted line, or she'd be able to decrypt, like, she because she's a cipher. But I guess they need her there on site. So it's like, you know, you're taking, like, the tech person and putting them on site sort of a thing.
0: Yeah, you're bringing your phone with you, basically. (laughs) 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 Into the field. Back in the day, back in the 50s, you had to bring an actual person was your mobile phone. If you're a spy. Now,
1: Vesper, Vesper is who he names the drink after. Yes.
0: I like how the drink is, like, gold in this. No, yeah, it looks great. I want like, have you had a Vesper Martini before? I have not. You could just order one. I'm assuming now. Yes, you nowadays. Can. Yeah.
1: Okay. It's strong. Maybe I'll try it. Yeah. It is a strong drink. He, so in the book, he spends a lot of time like he's like, oh, I'm I'm looking for a name for this drink I've developed. Versus in the movie, he just like he's trying to look cool at the table, so he's like, I'm gonna just order something, <laughs> and you could tell he's like making it up on the spot to just sound
0: fancy. But then when he gets it, he's like. That's quite good. And then everyone else <laughs> at the table is like, "I'll have one of those as well." Yeah, everyone's like, uh, uh. and then and that's what <laughs> Leshyfer gets so pissed. He's like, "Can we get back to the game now?" Uh, yeah, I like uh, Vesper's great uh, Mathis. Mathis is in the book, right? I, I kind of forget. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. he's in the back, but he he's not. He uh, obviously in the movie they add the fa- they add in the fact that he be- like sort of like where it's unclear if he betrays Bond or not. Right. In the book, it's not. He's just part of the no. yeah right the police. um then there's felix obviously jeffrey wright felix lighter who pops up a bunch both in the books and the movies um uh, i he's not really i he didn't stand out to me in the book too much uh he's not that big of a character in it other than he obviously no. stakes you know bond's game um right. he's like i love jeffrey wright you know, both obviously we've done Westworld and yeah, I had
1: no idea he was in this. I was so excited when I saw him as Felix. He's
0: great in this. He's like, yeah, it's like Felix Slider, brother from Langley. <laughs> yeah, I when he when he started talking to Bond, I was so pumped. Yeah, he's great. Um There's another guy that's not in the in this in the movie, but in the book uh that Bond befriends at the table. It's like a businessman, like an American businessman. Um, I don't know. If, I forget his name. But the only reason I say this is he comes up later in Goldfinger because he oh. he ropes Bond into Goldfinger. But he was introduced in Casino Royale because he was. Huh. He befriended as if, the table.
1: As if like they were going to do uh, a Goldfinger remake in The Current.
0: <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> That'd be funny. But yeah, basically at the beginning of Goldfinger, he Bond runs into that guy again in Miami and he's like. Hey, this guy, Goldfinger, he keeps like winning me at a card game. I think he's cheating. You want to help me out? Like, figure oh. out what's going on. That's how he gets roped into that. So, um, but, anyways, um, yeah. So, thinking uh, um, small moments I really liked um, the uh, after Bond fights off those uh, African warlord guys. Um yeah. I love in this movie, they show the aftermath, a lot of the action scenes. Yes. Um, so much time in action movies, it's like you know the, the hero kills a bunch of people and then kind of leaves or cuts the next scene. And this one, they spend a lot of time on the repercussions of his actions, yes. which is great. So it's like him having to get rid of the bodies. And then also it's like him trying to get cleaned up and get back to the game. I, I loved all that stuff. Right.
1: And- <laughs> and there's also the scene with M at the beginning who's just like, are you kidding me? Like American agent murders like an man sort of a thing. Yeah, remember that scene. Yeah, well, it, that's when M's introduced. It's just like you never hear about James Bond getting in trouble,
0: but he's kind of always getting in. He, you do actually. It is a very common thing, like in the news. In the no, movies? no, 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 not. Made, okay, I, th- I thought you meant like in in like M never reprimands him. Like M always. Oh no, M's
1: him. always <laughs> reprimanding him because he's a he's a fucking <laughs> crazy agent. But I think when the newspapers like MI six, like, well, it doesn't even say MI six, but it says like British agent uh murders unarmed man like unarmed
0: suspect it's like oh not good yeah it's like it's it's sort of like um bond is like uh like the avengers and he's, he's been kept a secret for a yeah, bit basically yeah <laughs> but every now and then some news will leak out basically um, and that's what she's trying to keep it under wraps but yeah it, it's usually it's seen seen like that and both there's this there's the part where Bond is cleaning himself up and then later there's like I think really nice uh shower scene, not like a sexy shower scene, like a sad shower scene with Vesper and Bond kind of sitting in the shower together. Cause she's was so sort of freaked out by what she saw um in that fight. So which I thought was great. Um I really like the moment where um after Bond is He's knocked out of the game by Lashif. He's all his money. He's like desperate, and like (laughs) I love how his he's he doesn't have more options left. He's like, I'm just gonna stab this guy. (laughs) Yeah, it's nuts. (laughs) And that's when Felix Leiter stops him. (laughs) But it's like I was like, oh yeah, Bond. You know, Bond would like an agent would do that. He's like, I'm all out of options. I should just kill this guy. You know, if I if I can't take him in, I might as well just you know do do the uh the crown a favor and just kill him
1: but. yeah i think um you know we should just i guess like the easiest way to break those down because there is a lot of um there's like three cutaways from the game where they go to they play in the game they leave they play the game they leave play and then it finally like resolves so we should just go
0: through those so the first one the first one is that the attack on james no well uh is attacked by the warlord guys and then james stops him but then he has to f- clean himself up then there's the second right. pause, which is uh, Bond is poisoned. Right, and that's by Lashif? Yes. Okay. So he poisons himself. Why didn't he just let Lashif Le get killed? Um, because they want. Because the thing is, they wanted. They needed. They him want alive. his info. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They wanted his info, and I think that's what makes it even funnier later when, he, when Bond's like, "I'm just going to stab him." He's like, "Well, screw that. <laughs> screw the mission." Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah, so when Bond when bon gets uh, poisoned when he's, when he's dying, it's um, like, you know, the, like the light moments of a brevity in, in action where he forgets to plug in the defibrillator. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I don't know if he forgot to plug it in as much as it just like the cable had come out. Yeah,
0: it all popped out basically. and he. Like...
1: Yeah, I don't think like... <laughs> but that was nuts, like watching him have to shock himself back.
0: Yeah, and Vesper gets to save him and... Yeah, um, and then he like cut, and then does the cut where he like is back to his normal self, coming back to the table. It was yeah. great, and then Le except Le chief, he's like real sweaty. Yeah, and the chief just can't like say anything. So.
1: Yeah, I, you know the thing I don't understand is he got soaked when he got into the shower with his suit on, and then he shows up with another suit on. He's he went through how
0: many suits in this? I don't know. Thing?
1: I don't know, at but he was three. shocked at the beginning that she had a tailored suit for him. It's like not only did she have a tailored too for him, she had like Mol- a dozen tailored.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um I definitely anticipated that one. Yeah. I love when Felix, uh when they when he buys him back in and he's like, You're gonna do that? And he's like, Does it look like we need the money? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> American joke. We got all the money <laughs> in the world, we're all in debt. Who knows? Um Yeah, so then after Bond wins he basically, he wins the whole thing. Um, then he thinks uh, there's a whole thing with now with um, Vesper gets kidnapped and Bond has to chase him using his uh, Aston Martin. Uh, in the book, he chases, like basically they they kidnap Vesper. He chases them and then he crashes his car just kind of randomly. I think, it, I think it's because he's driving too fast. And this one, in the movie, they... chief puts Vesper on the road, which causes him to right to crash. Um, Which I great. I think it was like I think it's a Guinness World Record of car flips in a in a movie. (laughs)
1: Oh, (laughs) at least until like Fast and Furious Nine.
0: That's true. But I think I think an in movie stunt versus like something that's you know done over multiple shots or Mm. you know it's like a one take thing. But um, and then Bond gets pulled out of the car unconscious or like he's like beat up and uh math uh chief says something strange which doesn't really like it's the one thing that doesn't really make sense in the movie and he goes i believe that your friend mathis was my friend mathis but that's not the that's not true because we end up learning that vesper was the one right so it's like why would he even say that <laughs> that's like the one confusing part of the movie
1: um well because we know he wasn't actually hurting vesper because vesper was working for her yeah so maybe Vesper had struck a deal at the beginning of being like, get him to just give up the codes and, like, we'll let him go. Because at the beginning, he really just wanted the money. He didn't give a shit about James Bond.
0: No, no, I get that. It's just sort of if...
1: So he needed someone to turn on, like, on, you know? So, like, I think they were making Mathis a scapegoat to cover for Vesper.
0: Yeah, I, I, I get it. But then it's it's like...
1: probably her plan.
0: Okay. But I guess I assume that, like, he... He's not going to kill, I guess, like, I guess unless Bond you know, theoretically gave up the code of the money and then was let go, he would then go after Mathis and then not on Vesper or something. I guess that's
1: that's what I'm saying is that I think that was like the plan that they were setting up. It it
0: just felt a little weird in the moment because actually Uh, definitely it didn't actually feel weird in the moment because it kind of like you don't know Vesper's betrayed. Right. And so you're like, oh, yeah. But then once you're like, think about it, you're like, wait a minute.
1: And then James Bond is naked 30 seconds later and things are weird anyway.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is a great scene that comes up where
1: I could not believe this was in the book. Yeah. Like when I saw this in the movie, I'm like, this is twisted and sick and weird. And then when it was in the book, I was like, what? Yeah. It's a great scene. It's very strange how they talk about like you'll no longer be a man. Like it's very like.
0: <laughs> you yeah, know? I mean they make LeCheif very just especially in the book, it's he's way I think he's much more like sadistic. Oh yeah. Um in, in the movie it's Mads Mickelson plays it much more. I think he plays it much more subtly, which I think is I think yeah. better.
1: Um, For those that need a reminder, they tie James Bond to a chair where they cut the bottom of the chair out. It was like a
0: a wicker chair, yeah,
1: yeah, like a wicker chair, and he's naked. So then Le Chiffre, Mads Mikkelsen
0: is whipping Bond's balls, yeah, with a with from a from under the chair a, with a knot of rope, uh, yeah, from a ship.
1: <laughs> uh, to which James will never give up the answer uh at one point he hears screaming in the other room and he's like oh like you know thinking about what they're doing to Vesper uh and you know is like you know I'll make you a deal like if you tell me I'll save her and like James still not going to do it uh I thought it was funny when James is like to the right to the right and like he hits his right balls and he's yeah. like
0: starts laughing
1: at him being like oh I got you to scratch my nuts
0: yeah it's it just kind of shows that like in the end it's he can't win and right you know he's been trained to this is his job is to die for the mission right and stuff and so um and just like in the book uh james is saved by uh when an outsider comes in and shoots the chief in the in the book it's a russian agent mr white yeah in the movie it's mr white but in the book it's an, it's a russian agent for smirsch which is the organization it's like the their version of mi6 um and in in the movie it's mr white who's the one that set up the meeting in the beginning and kind of is pulling the strings and is a i guess a a hint for specter is the right is the organization um then in the book though uh the agent burns his signal uh, his uh, symbol into bond's hand he doesn't. Right. He doesn't kill Bond, but he's like, "I'm going to bra- brand you. So if any of our agents ever run into you, we know that you've that you're a, you're an agent, and we'll kill you, basically. <laughs> so, uh, which is great. I uh, I wish they did that a little bit, but that would have been too much. <laughs> yeah. And
1: then, so after all of this takes place, uh, Bond is saved. Just like in the books, he wakes up in the hospital. Um, you see him sort of being taken care of. Uh, he is recuperating over quite a long period. He falls in love with Vesper. Vesper. Yeah. Uh, who, after the whole thing happens with Mathis, when Mathis gets arrested, yeah. Um, James basically is saying to Vesper that like he wants out.
0: Yeah. He's like, I don't want to be an agent anymore. I think it's, right. I'd rather be with you. And he, you know, I'll leave this profession for you. And... Right. Yeah, I think some people com- I think complain about this part of the movie being a little too slow and a little long, because um, it kind of just starts to feel like a different movie. Uh, but it's important. Yeah, no, no I think it, it, I think it is super important. I think. and it's also a nice change of pace um, for a lot of movies, especially a lot of action movies, like, like uh, of similar form, where you're just constantly building up to the climax, and it's kind of cool to see a movie in which you kind of have a, a mini-climax, and then there's sort of a, a second phase of the twist. Um, which I thought was great, and the twist is that Vesper is, uh, you know, betraying Bond. Right. Which in the books, um, before the betrayal
1: is found out, Bond, when he talks back with MI6, he tells them like that he thinks he's done, and they're like, "Why?" And like they debrief him and everything, and he's saying how like it's hard to tell the good guys from the bad guys anymore and stuff like that. But then after all of this happens, he's just like, "No, like I'm, I'm back."
0: His his heart's been hardened.
1: Yeah, and um, in the book, you don't find out how she dies. It sounds like he kills her. Like he reads her note that she left him, and then he calls. I think, like the agency, is it implied that she drowns? Like she drowns herself. It's really kind of hard to understand what happens. Yeah, but yeah, there are implications of that because her whole thing was like oh i could run but they'll kill me and like i could hide and like i could try and take you with me but like it all has bad outcomes so she knew she just had to go away um and he's he calls her a bitch like he's pissed at her whereas the way this ends so there's the huge amazing chase scene they're in um venice venice and there's this whole great Great, 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 great sequence where one of the buildings gets blown up. Bond shoots out the uh
0: Yeah, it's it's under renovations and the it's he destroys like the things keeping it afloat and so it starts to right. sink into the uh the sea basically. Correct. Out?
1: <laughs> Correct. And it's really cool watching the building go under, but there's this weird sequence where she's in a cage. She locks herself in the cage.
0: Yeah, she gets stuck in the elevator, the old elevator.
1: Yeah, but she locks herself in.
0: Cuz I she knows that if she survives, they're not going to stop coming for both for her. But and at for the him. end
1: of it it seems like she had regret it.
0: <laughs> I think she did. No, I think I think she's what what she realizes is that if she had just given over the money to that that eye patch man, Getler, um and they had just and everything would have gotten away, like sh- she would have at least had maybe done her deed and and would have been absolved of what right. she's doing. But because Bond interrupted it, it's kind of like, well, now it's like we're fucked. Like, well, now it's like everything's screwed up now. I'd like, there's no out for me other than dying. Right. So because now Bond's going to basically either kill me or turn me in or the, you know, this group, Mr. White's group is going to come kill me. It was pretty brutal watching
1: him try to break into the cage and save her and then he pulls her out but can't resuscitate her. And you
0: see basically her running out of breath and like... Start to go lifeless, which is
1: yeah, it's it was it was rough yeah. to watch. Um,
0: and then there's also that shot of Mr. White who has the real briefcase, yep, and he's watching it over. Um, yeah, quick thing about the cool house seeking, uh, sinking, uh, it was actually a model, a miniature, uh, that they shot, you know, like and then they CGI did it into the act like real. Sort of place oh, where it that's should awesome. Yeah, so great uh, reminder that modeling and uh, physical miniatures are uh, still an A-OK thing to do in movies. <laughs> Everything doesn't have to be in a computer. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, basically M, he tells M that the, the bitch is dead and you kind of see him being like, okay, I'm going to my, accept my role as an agent. Um, even though he realizes that Vesper did leave clues for him. To find Mr. Yes. White. Yes. And that's how the movie ends, on a great button of a scene where he finds Mr. White at his, like, Vienna, I don't know, estate. <laughs> and, and shoots him his leg, and he's like, that's where you get the iconic, you know, the name's Bond. James Bond. Yeah, but doesn't kill him. Nope, because he needs him alive. Yeah. Um, which is great. And that's it. That's Casino Royale. I liked it a lot. Yeah, no, I think... This is definitely the best, if not one of the best Bond films. So I warn you, Christian, that from the next few on out are going to be a little strange. (laughs) Well, so I heard Roger Moore was bad, but I think the person I was thinking
1: of was Timothy Dalton is the one people don't like. Is that Um, the Bond people don't like?
0: There's like one Bond people really don't like. I mean, everyone kind of like Roger Moore is charming. He's got a lot of really good aspects to him. His movies are a little too campy, though. And that's his biggest problem. Um especially, maybe it's George Lazenby. Yes. Yeah, so we'll we'll get to that when we get to it. But George Lazenby did one movie on Her Majesty's Secret Service, which is actually yeah. the best book or one of the best books. And also okay. as a movie is actually a really, really good movie for being 1969. But he is such a like Non like character, like he is so dull in it. <laughs> but what's happening around him is really awesome in that movie. And it's got Di- it's got Diana Rigg in it, who is uh Olena Tyrell. Oh, uh, a young, that's exciting! Young Diana Rigg.
1: Is- I'm excited for Timothy Dalton. I've never seen any of his because he plays a uh evil spy in the TV series Chuck. He's like the ultimate, he's like pretty much one, if not the ultimate, bad guy in the series.
0: And he's the bad guy in uh Hot Fuzz. So, yeah, I, I'm like actually excited. for so that. Dalton, Dalton's uh, actually awesome. pretty good, very but, cool. You know. Um, anyways, we'll uh, I guess so by order of the movie, the next the next uh, book we're gonna cover and movie we're gonna cover is "Live and Let Die." So with is, Roger Moore, Roger Moore. So uh, Christian, why don't you let the people know where they can uh, keep hearing your voice? I'm at Christian underscore Humes everywhere on the internet, and I'm uh John Murphy, and you can find me at the John Murphy on Twitter, John Paul Murphy on Instagram, and JohnMurphyWrites.com. dot
1: Until our next mission,
0: John. Hey, that's not so bad
1: after all.